Well, good morning, everyone, again. And um, um, for those who missed the intro for this last week, make sure you jump online and, and, and catch up because um, we've, start, we've just started a series called Redeeming Your Time. And we are looking at, um, I suppose, making sure that we use our time effectively and wisely and I suppose also looking to honour God with how we use our time. Um, time is one of those great equalizers. Each one of us have the same amount of minutes each day. I don't care if you have a, a high paying job or you have heaps of things. Time is this great equalizer. It just um, doesn't matter if you're a child, whether you're an adult, everyone is all the same. Now we may fill our time differently but we all have the same amount of time each day. And we're, we've been looking, we, we sort of um, had a, a theme verse we looked at last week, Ephesians 5, um, 15 to 17. Um, and in that verse, it, it says it commands us to redeem the time. Redeem the time. Why? So that we can do the will of the Lord. So it's actually... It's one of these things that we, we do need to understand that God gives us our time and I suppose part of the, the, the issue of balance here is that sometimes we go, well, my time is mine and the time I give to God is this and this and if I'm having a really good week, I'll give him this amount of time as well. But the thing is, God says, no, all, all the time I give you is is a gift from me and if we are following God, then all our time is 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 there for us to use to give God glory. That doesn't mean that we are all of a sudden becoming monks or nuns or or something like that and living somewhere where we're totally dedicated to whatever God wants us to do. But it does mean that we think about how we use our time. Um, and and the thing is, Jesus becomes actually a great example of how to manage our time. Um, and now Jesus doesn't have... I suppose the modern conveniences that when some people want to say they're even conveniences, he doesn't have a smartphone that reminds him he needs to be somewhere. He didn't have like a diary even that he wrote everything down on. He didn't have a secretary to chase after and say, you need to be at this meeting at this point in time. He didn't have any of those things. But even though, and he, and he didn't have, I suppose, the distractions that we have either. Um, again, those of us with phones, those with us with 50 channels or, or, or something that we can stream on, on our TV. Those who can sort of see an article on, on our, on our news feed, on our, on our, um, tablet, phone or, or, or computer. All of a sudden, there are plenty of things that can distract us. And at times, and I've heard the phrase used at times when we, when we jump on and, and you're following things on the internet, it's like going down the rabbit hole, like Alice in Wonderland, where you, all of a sudden you, you go to do something for a little bit, get a little bit distracted, and an hour later, two hours later, you go, oh, where did that time go? You went down the rabbit hole. Um, but in saying all that, Hebrews 4.15 reminds us, though, that even though Jesus didn't have these things, it does highlight the fact, it does understand our situation. Uh, Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to emphasize with our weaknesses. Um, in the person of Jesus, the word became flesh, ensuring that he could emphasize with all our weaknesses, including our efforts to redeem our time. Because all of a sudden, God, when Jesus was with God, he was without time or the constraints of time and, and, and the constraints of physicality. 
So all of a sudden Jesus was born and for the years that he grew, he was limited to the, the, the physicality of a newborn or to a toddler, to a child. And even when he became a man, like he still had to do things like eat and sleep. Why? Because he was human. He needed to fulfill his needs. He needed to take time to sleep. He, it, when he, and like you see it a lot through the gospels, he walked everywhere. Like, we get frustrated when there's cars slowing us down in front of us. Jesus walked everywhere. Everywhere. And so all of a sudden, he, like Jesus had to, he had time just like the rest of us. Where And he had divine appointments that God had put in place for him. And again, as you read through the Gospels, you see these moments that were just perfectly set up for Jesus to, to intervene on. He's traveling through through Samaria and, and the Samaritan woman is coming out to the well at the exact time that they had got there, that the disciples are off getting food and and like it's a divine appointment. So Jesus had to be there. There was a meeting arranged by God for him to be there. And and we actually see it in other, uh, other times so that when Jesus was doing things and he was often interrupted when he was doing the things that we're doing. Like anyone here frustrated when they're interrupted at all? I'm just doing this job, or I'm just, some of us, it's, I'm just watching this show, um, and, um, and, and, and so all of a sudden, you, that, that interruption slows me down. But Jesus was interrupted. Here's a couple of examples. He's going to heal Jairus' daughter. Jairus uh, had come and said, my daughter is gravely ill, come and heal her. And so Jesus is on his way, and we, we have the, the healing of the woman um, who grabbed his cloak. And then Jesus is basically, he's actually in a, a place where he's teaching. All these people have come to see him in, um, in this home. The house is packed. We'd, I mean, feel good if everyone rocked up to see you and will, and you could actually be encouraged. The fact that they're, they're listening really keenly and all of a sudden bits of plaster start falling from the roof. Now, that being here, it would be the pigeons, but like, um, but with, with Jesus, it was a man who would, had got laid down in front of him and said, like, he wanted healing. And so Jesus was interrupted. Now, I don't think any of us have had someone drop through the ceiling. Well, I actually have a friend of mine who had someone drop through the ceiling uh, close to them. Um, but different story. But, but the thing is, those things can cause distraction. And I'm sure it was difficult for Jesus to jump right back in where he picked up from. And, and, and the thing is, like, sometimes we go, okay, well, I'll just go back a bit. And all of a sudden, no, you've already done that bit, um, Pastor. You've already preached that, that, that point. Don't go back, don't make it backwards, go forwards. But the thing is, as we, so Jesus had to deal with time management uh, issues in the same way we did. And last week we saw the first of seven principles that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And the, the and of how Jesus managed his time. And he started with the word. That was how where we finished last week, to be encouraged to get into God's word. Because remember, I suppose one of the main points from last week is that Jesus offers peace before anything happens. Because sometimes we find peace in a task accomplished. Okay, I'm finally relieved. I've got that checked off my list. Jesus, no, no, no. I'm going to give you peace before the job, the the, the object before the trial, before the troubles in my life are gone. I'm going to give you peace before that. But peace is found in the presence of Jesus. That's where it's found. 
Um, and, and so getting into God's word is a, far, a, a way that we intentionally, deliberately enter into the presence of God. And so that's where we started last week. And today we're going to look at two more um, time management principles from the life of Christ. The first one is let your yes be yes. Now, has anyone ever sort of like they, there's, there's two principles, and one we're going to look at a bit next week, but there's, the one I want to look at today is that actually following through on the things that we say we do. Now, okay, there are things that, there's reasons that we, don't, we forget to do some of the things we do. Sometimes it's because we just don't want to do them. Okay, we've said it, we, oh yeah, I'll do that, and then we, we, we procrastinate, we put it off, we don't want to go, and it could be a job that we hate, or it could be someone we, we don't like as much as other people. It could be like, it could be a difficult situation that we, I, oh yeah, I've got to go pay this bill, but all of a sudden my bank account's going to be looking a lot less as soon as I pay that bill, and I'm going, I don't want to do it. And so sometimes we, we can delay doing different things. I remember when I was a teenager, maybe even early 20s, um, again, I was one of um, six boys in our household and every now and again, my parents would go away. Sometimes they'd take the two youngest one with them and we'd be left maybe home for the weekend to look after ourselves. But my mum always left a list of jobs for us to do before they returned home. And the thing is, like, in our brains, we went, we can, we can knock that out of the park in the last half an hour before they get there. The problem was, one, we, we often went past that last half hour, but then we didn't even think, we didn't even look at the list sometimes, because some of the jobs were like, okay, put the washing on the line, put the washing on, put it on the line, get it off and fold it. Now, with a half an hour to go, even if you put that washing on, it's still spinning around. It's going around, around, around. And so my mum will walk into the house and go, um, you haven't done all the jobs that you were meant to do. We procrastinate. We, and so all of a sudden, like, um, and, and this is probably the, the good thing today is that with um, mobile technology, you can, you can text those children, hey, have you done that job that you were meant to do? Oh, just doing it right now. And sometimes they forget. Um, sometimes they just go, oh, I'm actively doing something different. I'm, and so it's more than just forgetting. Um, the problem is, like, when this happens is that no matter whether it's a small commitment or a big commitment, we need when we say yes to something, we need to we need to let it be yes. And I'm going to define a new term for you. It's called open loop. An open loop is a commitment you have made to yourself or others, big or small. If you're on a call and someone says, "Oh, can you just do this?" and like, "Can you email me that picture or text me that phone number?" All of a sudden, that becomes an open loop. Now you can do two things with an open loop. You can actually do the task um, and, and see the loop close or, or you can do something to make sure it gets done or it, otherwise it becomes this open loop. And this is where, where it becomes a problem because we all have open loops and miscommitments. Like you may have someone, you may be someone like this where you said, oh yeah, I'll be there and you don't rock up. Or um, I'll be there on time and you are there well and truly late. Or you said, I'll get this done or I'll bring this with me. Oh, I totally forgot. And again, we, we all get this way where we forget to do things. I'm not saying that that's not a natural part of life. Um, but the problem like it's like, in my, oh, I forgot to get 
my, my prescription from the chemist again or I forgot to pick up um, bread from the shops again or, or something like that. And so that, that all, ha- all happens. The problem is it actually becomes, especially as we live our Christian lives, it becomes a matter of trust. Because sometimes, and again, I know people in my life that my expectation of them, because of their actions, it has become very low. I'll have this to you by tomorrow. And so I, there's some people that I work with that I'll actually do active reminders for up to a week. So, and I, I've got to the point that I'm patient with their, I'm going, and I don't get upset anymore when they say, oh, I'll have it to you tomorrow, because it never comes tomorrow. It doesn't come for a week or so. And, and so it's, it's learning to deal with that. When it comes to us as Christians living our lives, we need to get to the point where we can be trustworthy in what we say. Now, this, I'm just going to put a pin, just hold this idea for a bit, because this is where we pick up next week. For some of you, the issue of your yes being yes is that you fail to follow through on stuff. That, so that's the issue we're looking at today. For some of you, your yes being yes is a problem that you say yes to too much. And we're going to pick up that idea next week. So if that's you, hold on to that for next week. And, and, but if you are probably in that category where you go, do you know what? I always say, yes, I'll do it. And I never do. That's where we're looking today. But, and the problem is not just how we then fail to follow through in our commitments and maybe disappoint people and let people down and maybe in, in a way lower people's expectation and trust of us. The problem is it, it becomes a situation where it then impacts on us. I remember nights before we've gone away as a family and, and we try and write everything down. Like, this is what we need. We need this, need this. And the thing is, it's those things that you forget that will keep you up at night or wake you up at night. Oh, I've got to do that. I've got to write that down somewhere. I've, I've got to make sure we remember that tomorrow. And that becomes the problem for us. So there's, there's a problem when we, when we fail to sort of do what we said we, we would do. There's a, there's a failure on the people that we're letting down. But when we allow open loops to happen in our lives, the problem is it becomes something ongoing that builds stress and anxiety into our lives. Um, and, and the thing is, like Jesus would try to make it as clear as possible what he, he said in Matthew 5.37. He said, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Don't, don't get confused in this. Um, and there was, there's an author by the name of Jen Wilkin who um, put in her book, um, In His Image, he, she, she writes this, do we, our Christians, do what we say we will do? Do we let our yes be yes and our no be no? Ultimately, every act of faithfulness towards others is an act of faithfulness towards God. Um, though, though others may may make commitments they have little intention of keeping, the children of God should strive to prove that their word is their bond. They do not do so to win the trust or approval of others, but because they long to be like Christ. They long to hear with their ears, well done, good and faithful servant. So, so basically there's, there's, there's plenty of good reasons for us to say yes and, and how it, I suppose it bears testimony, but it also has this idea of it lifting a weight off our shoulder. There's a term called the, I, I don't know, I didn't actually look up the pronunciation, but it's called the Zyganik 
effect. I'm not sure if it's a German name, but it talks about what happens when you hear a bad song on the radio and you turn the radio off and you can't get the song out of your head for the rest of the day. Your, your mind will keep replaying the song over and over again until it finally finishes it all the way through in your head. Now, most of us have yeah, got songs stuck in our head. I should sing one right now to get it really stuck in your head, but then you won't hear anything else I'm saying. Um, now, having a song stuck in your head is annoying, but it's not a big deal. However, when we apply, this, apply the same principle uh, to the open loops called by unexternalized tasks and commitments, you can just imagine how it would contribute greatly to our anxiety and our ability to focus at work and at home. Um, when, you, when you forget to do something, all of a sudden you go, oh, yes, you are human, but it, it causes even just momentary stress. I forgot to do that. I forgot to do this. I forgot to hang the washing out. I forgot to pay that bill. I forgot to give that person a call. And, and the thing is, I find that like 4.30 in the afternoon, I went, oh, I've got to ring that person real quickly. And you ring up, oh, they're shut for the day. Or they're not answering anymore. And, or, and it happens to me at night where I'm, I'm really tired. And I went, oh, I forgot to ring them today. Should I ring them now? And, and I go, or do I put it off for tomorrow? And I went, oh, oh. And the thing is, though, like, and like, sometimes I give in to my my sort of, oh no, I'll just I'll do it tomorrow. But the thing is, it then it, it that weight weighs on me till the next day. And again, it may not be a big weight, but if we continue having open loops in our life, this is what happens. Um, and the problem is, part of it is that we've got to create a system in our life where we can make sure we have a, a way of remembering the things that we need to do. Now, again, that's going to be different for each of you. But, and the thing is, like, I, I wish it was, uh, like, we, as we get older, we go, okay, I'm, I can't remember what I need to do. I've got to write everything down now. Same ha- thing happens as you get busier. Like, if you get busy, you need to write things down. You need to rem- have a way of remembering things. I even go to the shops with my kids now, and I'll, I'll verbalise out, out loud what we need to get so they can help me remember except my kids don't listen to me. So when I go, is that everything? And I went, I don't know. I wasn't listening to you. Like, that's, that's, that seems to be the conversation. I'm going, yeah, my children are not good sort of um, memory devices for me. So, um, but the, the, the thing is, like, here, it, it doesn't matter the size of commitment. Um, the brain science makes it clear that if I say I, I will do something and fail um, and, and don't get it done, I will have a way of remembering to get it done, my stress, my anxiety will go up. Um, stress comes from unkept agreements with yourself and others. But, so, but there is good news because science shows that we don't have to close the loops entirely. We just have to have a way of going, okay, I need to get that done. And I even find that I'll be in the middle of a quiet time and something will come up. Something will go, oh, I need to do that. And so someone said to me years ago, to have your diary beside you, write it down in your diary, and then just get back to what you're doing. Because this, the other option is is that I go do that task, and then that will remind me of another task, that will remind me of another task, and all of a sudden my time with God is robbed for me. So we've got to have ways of actually managing our open loops with a trusted system. Now, now, now that we are all especially brain scientists, what does Scripture say about commitments? Now, the words open loop don't exist, appear in the Bible, but Paul does address the connection between unexternalized concerns and anxiety. 
Um, Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Great verse. Many of us would know this verse. Many of us would memorize this verse. Um, sometimes we don't take the truth of the verse into our lives. But Paul is saying that of the solution, um, that part of the solution to our anxiety and stress is clearing our mind of concerns and requests, and in this case, through prayer. So there you go. We, we need to let our yes be yes in order to follow Jesus' command and example to reduce our anxiety and stress. But speaking of this, it leads me into the third principle that we're going to look at um, in our series, um, which is dissent from the kingdom noise. Now, dissent is basically rebellion, standing against, um, uh, sort of actively working against, um, removing yourself from, um, from the kingdom noise. To redeem our time, we must fight to block out the noise and create room for silence, stillness and reflection. Um, the term kingdom of noise comes from C.S. Lewis' book, The Screwtape Letters. Um, and we live in a time of unprecedented noise. And I'm not just referring to the obvious increase of external noise um, created by non-stop news, entertainment, the buzzing of our devices in our pockets, purses and wrists. I'm primarily referring to what all that external noise creates, namely internal noise. Like all of a sudden we, we can find ourselves in chaos or busyness or franticness. We, we get to a point that our life is just not still. We've got to have, uh, sometimes we put noise in the background to, to try and mask some of the, the busyness of our mind, to shut it down. And this becomes part of that problem is that we, we need to dissent from the kingdom of noise. It, it might come as you have, you, have you ever tried to sit down and pray or even just sit still for a minute and your mind was constantly wandering? You may have done it this morning while I was praying. Might have started thinking about morning tea. I shouldn't have said that because now you are thinking about morning tea. Oh, hurry. Um, but the thing is, Sometimes we are in the middle of concentrating on something really good for God and it could be a random thought. It could be a, one of those open loops that are in our life that all of a sudden we, we, it's putting that stress and pressure, uh, pressure on us. Um, like we, we, we can very easily get in that situation where we are constantly having our brains interrupted. Um, and the thing is, all of the noise in our life limits our ability to redeem our time in five ways. So firstly, noise limits our ability to think. When your mind is noisy, it struggles to, to stay to calm, to think through things rationally, to, to actually be in a place where you can think productively. When our minds are filled with noise, there is simply no mental space to think. And, and we, can th- we can't think, and if we can't think clearly, we can't prioritize our to-do list and effectively engage with the work of God. God has given us to do. Good work requires good thought, and good thought requires great solitude. Secondly, noise limits our ability to be creative. Noise limits our opportunities um, to be bored and, and thus creative. We, we actually live in 
a generation of kids who like don't go outside and play and, and come up with a game in their head. My, my youngest brother was, was really good at this. Um, when he was, especially when he was younger, he would watch a TV show for, it seemed like just, he'd go put a movie on, he'd only end up watching it for like 20 minutes and then go out and play for three hours using his imagination from what he'd seen on the TV. And so I'm going to go do this, I'm going to do this and have like a bit of an adventure in the, in the backyard. But the thing is, if our minds are noisy and, and, and we don't have the opportunity to be bored, we don't actually create the space to work our God-given gift of creativity. It'll be far more difficult to, to be productive. And, and again, you think of in the world, the things that have been created over time, both from the point of, of great artwork to great buildings to cars to devices, do you think... Um, the, the light bulb would have been discovered if, if he was bored. If his day was so frantic that when the light went out, I'm going to bed, I'm tired, there would have been no need for it. But he found himself going, there's, there's got to be something more. There's got to be something that we can do with that. Number three, noise limits our ability to cultivate depth. See, because God didn't design our minds to merely receive information. He created us to think about and make creative connections um, between various inputs. If we fail to make time to do things, um, do this thinking alone, um, um, we, we do it when we are with others, um, our spouse, our kids, our friends. How many of you have been physically with a group of people, with someone, but your brain's a, mile, a million miles away? You're not really there. Don't put up your hand today because I don't want you, I want you here present today, Okay. Um, and that is likely because you didn't have adequate time to think during the day. Um, number four, noise limits our ability to be at peace. We can go back to what Paul says in Philippians, and I just want to add a, ver- a verse to it this time. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is of is excellent or praiseworthy, think of such things. Did you catch it? Paul's saying we shouldn't be anxious and I said, um, present our problems to God in prayer. He says, then we will have peace. And most people stop there. But if we keep reading, we see that he makes a, a list of good th- of things we should think about, which is true, noble, right, pure, and lovely. What does Paul make this list? Could it be because part of the solution to our anxiety is found in what we're choosing to think about? The noise and information we are inviting into our minds? Well, I think so. Most news is not true, noble, right, pure, or lovely, or admirable. Can you think of the last time you sat down and watched half an hour of news and you left encouraged? Anyone can ever think of that? Like, um, no one? And yet we will spend a lot of time grabbing news to fill our brain. We'll read that latest article. We'll read this. And none of it brings us joy or peace. Now, I'm not saying we've got to, like, 
live again. Let's just go to that monastery where there's no news getting in, the Wi-Fi is horrible. I'm not saying we do that, but again, we've got to choose to fill our brains with, with the more important things rather than the garbage at times. And lastly, five, our noise limits our ability to listen to God's voice. This is where this is all leading. Like if, if, if we have our yes is not being yes and we've got all these open loops in our lives that are causing stress and anxiety, if we are letting the kingdom of noise sort of, sort of rob us of good thinking time and, and we can't be um, uh, creative, we can't be um, productive, we can't be um, at peace, we can't cultivate depth with those around us, ultimately it, it prevents us from listening to the voice of God. Now, if we want to redeem our time, if we want to be effective and in, in, in wise and in using our time for the will and for the glory of God, then God's voice becomes a necessity for us. And noise prevents us from listening to God's voice. Pastor John Mark Comas said it best, the noise of the modern world makes us deaf to the voice of God, drowning out the one input we need most. That one stings a bit. Make no mistake, noise is an intentional part of the enemy's plan. Um, noise is, is one of those things that the devil can actually put into our lives that will keep us busy, will keep us occupied, will keep us focused on something, but will prevent us from living the best life that God has for us. Um, I think it's important to note here the difference between hearing and listening to the voice of God. We hear God's voice when we read his word, but here's the thing. Quiet times aren't actually quiet. We read, we study, we, we are quiet in the sense that we aren't speaking, but our minds are still noisy because we are still consuming and intaking information. Well, if you do your quiet times where I'm going to read, I'm going to pray, I'm going to move on. What we need to include is times to be quiet before God. We actually need time... Um, to, to God to speak into us. It takes silence and reflection to listen to his voice and connect his word to our lives. Silence, stillness, solitude, reflection, that's the difference between hearing God's word and listening to his voice. Now, I know for some of you, you go, oh, I can't remember the last time I had quiet around me. So there's a couple of things in there. One, we may need to prioritise times of silence over what we can control, those things that we can remove from our lives. It might mean that we find a time and place in our homes that we can guard and protect to actually make it time of silence and time of solitude before God. And the thing is, if you go, I can't find any time during the day, then find a time of day that the noise is not there. I know many of of a great preacher and who had basically went, um, okay, well, I can't find time during the day, so I'll get up at five. I'll get up at four. Um, one of the um, great um, fathers of the Christian church had many, many churches under his care and growing phenomenally. And one of the other pastors came up and sort of said, oh, um, like, I, I don't understand why your churches are growing so well and mine's not. And he said, oh, I get up early every morning and I pray for an hour and a half and I pray for an hour and a half at night. I I, I set aside those times for God to work in me and to work around me. 
And so sometimes we, we do need to basically find a place and time that we guard and protect. Um, there's a movie, War Room, that came out a few years ago which had the idea of having a prayer closet, a place that you can retreat into to pray, to really battle for God. And I think we actually need to, to find something like that. And, and you know what? For me, I can do my quiet time at my office desk, either at home or at, here at church. The thing is, as I do that, my laptop's there, the phone is there, all the work I've got to do this day is around me there, all the work I didn't get done yesterday is still there as well. And so all of a sudden this time with God is, as it, is at least made time efficient so I can get onto all the tasks that are distracting me. But sometimes when I pick up my Bible and I'll go down to the creche and I'll sit on the couch and open it up and take some time to read or, or go outside at home and take some time to read and go, you know what, time is not the determining factor of, of how I spend it here. When I take off my watch even, becomes one of these things that I can control to actually spend that, that stillness before God. Okay, so we agree that too much noise is bad for us. So what can we do? We get, look, we can again look again to the perfect example of Jesus. Because Jesus, he actually mentions multiple times through the book of Luke and other places that he withdrew to a solitary place. So finding that place that you can guard and protect. Um, Luke mentions Jesus' love of lonely places and three times in, in just over one and a half chapters we see in Luke. My favourite mention of, of Jesus' pursuit of solitude is when he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place to get away from the crowds, which we see in Matthew fourteen thirteen. Silence was so important to Jesus that he would literally just jump into a boat to get away from it all to get away from the noise, to pray, to think, to listen to his father's voice. And by the way, the busier Jesus got, the more he appears, he sought out silence. Luke, Luke 5, 15 to 16 says, the news about him spread all the more and Jesus often withdrew to, to lonely places and prayed. We fall into this trap. The busier that I get, the more time I've got to commit to that. No, the busier that we get, the more time we need to spend with God. So to wrap it up, where we've been so far in this series, we've seen three time management principles modeled in the life of Jesus. First, principle one, start with the Word. Now, again, it was in, uh, it was in the newsletter today, but um, the new Word for the days have come in this week, starting in a couple of weeks' time at the start of February. Um, if you don't have a regular habit of getting into God's Word, now is the time to set that up for the year, to, to find something that you can do to, to regularly be getting into God's Word. Um, principle two, let your yes be yes. So if you say, yes, I'm going to do that, show up, do the job, fulfill the request, um, write, write it down so that you remember to do it at the right um, possible time and, and to, to prove, one, that you can be faithful to those around you and honouring God by doing that, but secondly, to close the open loops that are around you. And principle three, descent from the kingdom of noise. To not let your mind be ruled by the noise and the chaos of this world, finding time to be silent. Now, the, the thing is, the silence doesn't remove the problem, okay? That's, I think at times we, we, we pray for an end of everything. 
just wanted to give you one of the promises that Jesus gave you, that in this life you will find trouble because you love Jesus. So while we are here, there's going to be trials, there's going to be things that we're going through. And so, But what we need is to have times where God fills us up so we can continue living life. Now, we've only scratched the surface of how Jesus redeemed his time, and I hope you are you are starting to feel a little bit empowered um, about what you can be doing. Um, remembering what we learned last week, Jesus offers peace before we do anything. Um, we don't have to get any of these practices completely right to actually feel at peace because peace comes from being in God's presence. Um, so we can spend more time, if we get to the point where we are allowing our stress to be covered by God, our time is being more effective, all of a sudden we can do more in in following the will of God around us. Let's take some time to pray this morning. Father, we thank you for the example of of your, your perfect life that you gave us in your son Jesus. As we are continually striving to be more like Christ, give us wisdom and discernment to mold our lives to his example. You ask that our yes be yes and that we spend time with you Lord, help us this week as we fight off the temptations of this world and to keep our eyes and our ears and our minds set on you. We pray this always. Amen.